You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hey there, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. Welcome to episode 52 of The Melting Podcast. I am your grill mistress, Erin Kazmark. And I'm your head chef, A.F. Grappin. Hey, we did that in, the, in, in like a different order this time. It, is, is that allowed? Yes. Yay! Well, what I say goes in this kitchen. If, if I do it, you can pretty much guess it's allowed. Yeah, but I did it first. I didn't correct you at the time. No, at the I'm, time, are you correcting me now? Probably. So it's not allowed? Not anymore. Did that one time it was allowed. That was an exception. Yay, I got to do it once. I made an executive decision. You're not an executive. I'm the head chef. I, but you're not the executive chef. There's a difference. Look it up. I could change my title. Damn. Foiled I could, again. I could change your title. No. Okay. I like my title. Okay. I'm sorry. Would you like to introduce yourself again and do it first? Hi, I may have Greppin, your executive chef. No! I got sorry, a promotion. Sorry, sorry. Wait. No! Camera zooming out. You done? Oh, yes. Can, okay, can we really start the episode now? Absolutely. Because we have a very, very special main ingredient story for you this this uh, episode, guys. Special no, or special? Special. No right. quotation marks involved. Awesome. This is from a wonderful word chef that we have interviewed for a little seasoning. Oh, yes. Yes. And he has done this main ingredient story. In the universe of his novel that was released earlier this year. Is that right? And. And. And he hit two prompts with it, too. No way. Yeah. No way. Prompts 12 and 13. Where did the corn go? And write a story featuring some sort of mystic cheese. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This is a masterpiece of the disaster kitchen. Pretty epic, I'd say. So rather than build it up anymore, I'm just going to let it speak for itself. Here's your story. Bon Appetit. The Blessing of the Cheese by Doc Coleman. Up here, just a little farther. Professor Crackle crowed as he pushed through the crowd of dusky Turks filling the narrow alley that passed for a street in this part of the city. Miss Bang followed in his wake, looking almost like one of the native women, with a bright blue scarf wrapped around her head and tucked up to keep the dust out of her face. The professor stood out, as usual, with his twice-begoggled top hat perched on his head. I hurried to keep up with them my arms laden with a sloshing pot that kept threatening to spill its contents every time I was jostled by the crowd. Professor, why are we taking a tour of the slums of Constantinople? I asked as another dark, unwashed resident pushed past me. Istanbul, my lord. You must not offend our Ottoman hosts by using the old name. Miss Bang's face was hidden by her scarf, but her eyes were clearly chiding me. Quite right. Besides, my boy, these aren't slums. 
This is the working-class district. And we're here at the invitation of Mehmet Sadiq. He's a Sufi, a sort of local holy man. Should be right up here. He turned and pushed back into the mass of packed humanity. Miss Bang took up the explanation. Sufis are aesthetics. They embrace a simple lifestyle in order to purify themselves and come closer to God. They are very respected in Ottoman society. I sighed. I understand that we're paying respects to a local holy man. I don't understand why we are bringing him a pot of creamed corn. I hefted the aforementioned copper vessel up so Miss Bang was reminded of its presence. She tilted her head slightly. As a gift, naturally. One should always bring a gift when one goes calling. She took me by the arm, and we pushed on after Professor Crackle. I know, but corn? Corn is a delicacy in this part of the world. It isn't grown locally, so from Mr. Sadiq's point of view, this is an opportunity to try something very rare and special. But did the professor have to have it creamed? I believe Mr. Sadiq requested that we bring something of a dairy nature, and this was Harmonious's solution. She looked over the heads of the locals. Oh, I believe he has found the address. I followed her gaze and spotted the professor standing in front of an unassuming hut, waving one arm frantically over his head. We made our way through the crowd and joined the professor as he rapped on the door. The stained portal was whisked open to reveal a short, thin man in a turban. He had a neatly trimmed beard and was dressed simply in a white tunic and matching trousers. He blinked at us for a few moments before he recognized us, and his eyes went wide and a huge smile spread over his face. Hello, hello, my friends. Come in, come in. Come in and be welcome. My home greets you with great joy. He ushered us into the small hut that appeared to be a single large room. Shelves and a simple pantry were set against the far wall next to the small hearth. A low table occupied much of the room with cushions arrayed around it. In contrast to the dusty streets, everything inside was scrupulously clean. He closed the door behind us, shutting out the noise of the street. Professor Crackle turned to the small man. Thank you so much for inviting us, Mr. Sadiq. It is a pleasure to meet you. I am Professor Harmonious Crackle. This is my colleague, Mr. Tania Bang. Miss Bang untucked the end of her scarf and greeted Mr. Sadiq with a smile and a small bow. And this... The small brown man grabbed my hand, cutting the professor off in the middle of his introduction. Sir, such a pleasure to meet you. Even here in Istanbul, we have heard of your heroism in Prague. He pumped my hand vigorously. It wasn't really that heroic, Mr. Sadiq. I'm afraid the accounts are rather exaggerated. Ah, so modest. I am sure we will be fast friends. Please, call me Mehmet. He grabbed my arms, and for a second, I thought he was going to hug me. Come, sit, sit. Oh, I am a horrible host. Please make yourselves comfortable. Professor Crackle took the pot from my hands. We have brought you a gift, Mehmet. 
something very rare in this part of the world. Creamed corn. The professor removed the lid from the pot with a flourish. If anything, Mr. Sadiq's grin became wider. Excellent, excellent. That will do nicely. Oh, this will be such a treat. The professor replaced the lid, placed the pot on the center of the small table, and we seated ourselves on the cushions grouped around it. Mr. Sadiq burst into a flurry of activity, pulling plates and food from the pantry, while keeping up a constant chatter. He served us thinly sliced sausages, a salad of mixed greens and spices, some odd-looking vegetables, and, of course, the corn. There were no utensils, but there was plenty of flat bread which we used for anything that wasn't a finger food. The professor and Miss Bang took to it as a matter of course, but my clumsy fingers made a mess of it, and it was difficult for me to get a bite of anything without spilling some of it. Mr. Sadiq proved to be a gracious host, telling me not to worry about my messes and all that mattered was that I enjoyed the food. The food was quite tasty, although the flavors were unusual. Even the corn was surprisingly good. Mr. Sadiq served us an excellent blend of strong dark tea in short tulip-shaped glasses. He poured each glass from an odd double teapot that reminded me of a samovar. When we finished eating, Professor Crackle turned to our host. Thank you for your hospitality, Mehmet, but I have to wonder, why did you invite us to join you in the first place? Our host nodded. Yes, yes. When I heard that you were stopping over in Istanbul after that business in Bohemia, well, I knew that Allah meant for me to reach out to you. You are each persons of extraordinary circumstance. Allah has chosen you to do great things and endure great hardships along your journey. As such, you can surely use all the blessings you can get. So, I have asked you here to bestow upon you the blessing of the cheese. We blinked at him. He seemed entirely serious. But you didn't serve any cheese, I said. At least, I didn't think anything he served was cheese. Sadiq rose in a single smooth motion and crossed to his pantry again. He lifted a cloth from a wedge of cheese on a plate and broke off a small piece with his fingers. He returned to the table and dropped the fragment of cheese into the pot, stirring it into the remaining creamed corn before setting the serving spoon aside. Finally, he replaced the lid on the copper pot and dropped back down to his cushion. He beamed at us. I'm afraid I don't understand, Mehmet. What was the significance of that? Professor Crackle gestured to the pot. A moment, my friend. The miracle cannot be rushed. Miracle? Miss Bang asked, but appeared to ponder the situation. We sat there in silence for several moments, not knowing what we were waiting for. I noticed a slight motion on the table. Um, I looked, but I didn't see anything out of the ordinary at first. And then I saw it. The lid on the copper pot was slowly rising. Is it supposed to do that? Mr. Sadiq patted my knee. Patience, my friend. It is almost ready. 
Professor Crackle bent low over the table. This is fascinating, Mehmet. Is this a chemical reaction? An extremely active biological culture? Miss Bang suggested. One cannot analyze a miracle, good lady. One can only appreciate it for what it is. The professor reached out for the lid of the pot, but Mr. Sadiq stopped him. Not yet, my friend. The lid rose about an inch above the top of the pot, held aloft by a column of glossy white material. It shuddered for a second, and the column seemed to contract slightly. And it is done, Mr. Sadiq declared and removed the lid with a flourish, revealing a cylinder of pale white cheese? I said. What else? He rose again, grabbing a fresh plate from the pantry and a large knife. With practiced fingers, he lifted the fresh round of cheese from the pot, placing it on the plate and cutting it in half. He returned one half of the round to the pot and continued to cut slices off the remaining portion. Once he had cut several slices, he distributed them to us. Eat, my friends. Share the blessing of the cheese. I lifted a slice and examined it. It appeared to be an ordinary slice of creamy white cheese. It was soft enough to be pliable, but was otherwise an unremarkable slice of aged cheese. The professor produced a loop from his pocket and examined the cheese through it. How do you age it so quickly? Miss Bang broke her piece into two pieces. Cheese curds I could understand. Even a soft cheese. But a hard cheese in a few seconds? I can see why you call it a miracle, Mehmet. She took a small bite of one slice. Oh! A beatific smile crossed over Miss Banks' face, and a similar one appeared on Mr. Sadiq's. Now you understand, good lady. The cheese blesses you. Please, my friends, eat! Eat! He gestured to the professor and myself to eat. I sniffed at the cheese. It seemed safe. I popped the slice into my mouth. As it hit my tongue, my mouth seemed to explode with flavor. The cheese was wonderfully savory and seemed to virtually melt on my tongue. Along with the flavor, a wave of peace swept through me. My muscles relaxed and I felt two vertebrae in my back pop as they slid into a more comfortable alignment. A sigh escaped my lips. Mr. Sadiq smiled and nodded. Professor Crackle gave us both a curious look. He took a small bite of his slice. His eyebrows rose briefly as he tasted it. The tasty variety, but other than the method of production, it doesn't seem that remarkable. You don't feel any different, Professor. No, my boy. How should I feel? For the first time, Mr. Sadiq frowned. You did not receive the blessing. Miss Bang's brows pulled forward. You didn't experience a feeling of peace and contentment, Harmonious? He shook his head. No. Mr. Sadiq looked concerned. This is most unusual. Perhaps you should try some more. He offered the plate of sliced cheese to the professor. Professor Crackle ate another slice and shook his head.
I'm afraid I don't feel anything, other than the pleasure of eating an excellent cheese. Miss Bang gestured to him. Perhaps your condition is preventing you from getting the full effect, Harmonious. He looked at her thoughtfully. I suppose that is a possibility, although I've never experienced, or rather not experienced, something like this before. I do not understand. Mr. Siddiq looked at Miss Bang and the professor. Professor Crackle is ill? Not exactly, Mehmet. He isn't unwell, per se. Professor Crackle touched her lightly on the arm and concluded. Suffice it to say, Mehmet, that I have a condition that doesn't interfere with my everyday life, but it does have some unusual side effects. This would appear to be one of them. I am so sorry, Professor Crackle. I regret that you cannot share in the blessing. I looked at the half round of cheese in the pot, then at the slices Mr. Sadiq had arrayed on the plate. Professor? Yes, old chap. Where did the corn go? I pointed to the cut surfaces of the cheese. There was corn in the pot when Mr. Sadiq did his trick. Now the corn is gone. There should be bits of it embedded in the cheese. He picked up the half round of cheese and examined it closely. You're right, my boy. Very strange. Miss Bang gestured to the pot. Does this always happen, Mehmet? Oh, yes. As long as there is even a tiny touch of dairy in the dish, all that is left is the blessed cheese. He took a slice himself, sighing as he ate it. That shouldn't be possible, should it? I looked at another piece of the cheese. Normally, I'd say not. The professor tapped the round twice with his fingers. A dull thud resulted each time. Perhaps a particularly aggressive culture consumed the corn, digested it along with everything else? Miss Bang suggested. We could run some tests. Mehmet, would you mind terribly if we took some of this cheese with us to run some experiments on? He shook his head. It is for you, for all of you, to take with you and bring you some measure of peace as you face the hardships that lay in your path. This is my gift to you, the reason I asked you to call. The professor nodded. Excellent. Thank you, Mehmet. This will give us a chance to investigate the rapid aging as well. I put a second slice into my mouth and felt another wave of peacefulness wash over me. Professor, on second thought, I don't think I want to know. I think I can live with the mystery of mystic cheese. But aren't you curious, my boy? Yes. No. I sighed. I just figure that some questions are better left unsolved. I think magic cheese that makes you feel better certainly qualifies. There's no such thing as magic, boy. The professor started, but Miss Bang silenced him with a hand on his arm. He's right, Harmonious. Let it go. She turned to our host. Thank you, Mehmet. We are very grateful for your gift. He bowed in his seat. It is my pleasure, good lady. Allah's blessings be upon you all. But just a few simple experiments. The professor began again. 
Miss Bang's grip tightened on his arm. Let it go, Harmonious. You don't want to be rude to our host. He put his hand over hers and winced. For a moment, he looked like he was trying to pry her hand off, but then he subsided and patted it instead. <sighs> yes, perhaps you're right. My apologies, Mehmet. My curiosity. <sighs> he sighed explosively as Miss Bang released his arm. He rubbed it nervously. It sometimes runs away with me. Mr. Sadiq nodded. I understand, Professor. I understand. You see what I mean? That story just had everything that we love here. Certainly didn't need us building it up anymore. It kind of does it for itself. Yeah. And for those of you wondering, that story is in the universe of Crackle and Bang by, obviously, Doc Coleman. Um, you can get his book, The Perils of Prague, which I have read and really, really thoroughly enjoyed. You can get that on Amazon and a couple of places. I think... He's only up in the top how many of steampunk novels? Many. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of somebody there. Really, really good book. And really, really good guy. Yeah, absolutely. And it was an honor to do this story for him. Yeah. So. Um, thanks, and Doc. Thanks, Doc. And do want to shout out some special thanks for, number one, Kevin McLeod at Uncompetech.com for the background music. And especially to our guest voice actors, Chris Lester. Woo! And Veronica Jaguer. Who did the, who actually reprised their roles. We did a scene from the novel at Balticon 51 and they played those parts. I played the main character. So I got to reprise that role. So this was a little bit of a reunion and a surprise for Doc. So V surprise. is my hero. Yeah. V is, v is awesome. But we're going to move on now. We're going to but, take, but, but I want to be V when I grow up. Well, you have to grow up first. Damn it. Yeah. So why don't you take a few minutes? Um, we're going to go to a promo. So I can grow up? And you can grow up in those few minutes, okay? Okay. 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 Here's a promo. The Night Festival. You can learn what the stars have in store for you. The fate written in the sky at the moment of your birth. Care Gafford has waited his whole life to get his fate read. But fate is cruel. The stars reveal that care is among the fateless, those doomed souls who bring disaster and ruin to all the lives they touch. After leaving nothing but destruction in their wake, the fateless suffer horrific deaths. Unwilling to accept this destiny, care forms a plan. He's going to find a way to change his fate or die trying. Star Signs, a novel by A.F. Grappen. Available in ebook and paperback at Amazon.com. Hey, A.F.? Yeah? I don't want to grow up. Okay, uh, well, you said you wanted to be V when you grow up, and you have to grow up to be V. Yeah, yeah, but, but adulthood is awfully bland. You know, you're right. We need to find a way to, like, 
I don't know, spice it up or something. The the, the blandness of adulthood. Because if I'm going to grow up to be V, I need some spices or, or herbs. What's what's another S word for that? Spice something. Seasoning. Seasoning. You need a little seasoning. I do. Would you happen to have something like that around for me? It has been a while since we've had a little seasoning on this show. I know. Maybe that's why I'm feeling so vanilla. Hey, don't knock vanilla. I didn't knock it. I said it. Okay. (laughs) I just got that and I'm leaving this in. Um, Moving on. I do have a little seasoning for you. I'm so happy. We I recently got on the Skype line with the phenomenal uh, author, podcaster, voice actor, actor in general. Person. Man of many talents. T. Morris. And I'm just going to give you the interview because, again, we don't need to build it up anymore because just, oh, my God. T. speaks for himself. Oh, yeah, he does. At length. Eloquently. It's wonderful. Yeah. So here we go. Here's a little seasoning. Bon appetit. Let's do this. All right. <laughs> I actually like that. Uh, hey, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. It is your head chef, AF Grappin, here for a little seasoning with author, podcaster, all-around kick-ass guy, T. Morris. Hi, T. Hi, Gus. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. We have it's, it's been too long since this podcast has existed and not had you on it. It's, I appreciate it's that. I, I, I was actually I was actually a little a little jelly of Nick Kelly because uh, he actually got on the podcast before I did, and I'm the one that got him into podcasting. Yeah, well, the, the the thing with Nick is I think he is our self-professed like biggest fan. Nick's good people. He is. He Nick's is good people. He's, he's so, great so let, people. Let me give you the untold the untold history of Nick Kelly and podcasting. Oh dear. So Nick. Stacia, myself, and, and, and Pip, we all met on a panel uh, that was being put on by a local, then at that time, writing group. And they said, uh, we want to do a panel on couples who collaborate. Mm-hmm. And I um, and I brought, some, I brought, I brought just the, the, H, the H4N. And I said, uh, would, would you guys be okay if I recorded this for podcast? And Nick and Stacia both looked at me and they were like, I have no idea what that is, but sure why not and so we we do that we do that we do the panel and during the panel the four of us just hit it off i mean we just it's one of the things where we hit it off and we said you know you guys got to come over and you guys got to got to hang with us and uh you know i'll grill for you guys so they come they come over one night with with brandon and then uh we're giving them the, the nickel tour and then they come downstairs to the studio and they're looking around the studio they're going what is this and, they, and i said have a seat and then we pulled them onto the shared desk, and we're going back and forth. They came on the show like like another time after that, and Nick is like, well, you know, we got to start doing this. And um, I had just uh, I, I had just discovered that um, that there was a, an update with with the operating system for my Mac that allowed me to get the FireWire mixer that I'm using right now um, back up and running. I didn't need a special driver; just plug it in, boom, nice. it goes. I thought, wow, that's great. So then I had this USB uh, mixer that I wasn't using anymore. And right after Nick said that, I said, Nick, I got a mixer. All you got to do is get some microphones and you're in. And within a month, Nick started up the Geek Wolfpack podcast. Yeah. And now, now he's, you know, he's he's doing a uh, now he's doing the um, 
He's doing the podcast with with me and Brandon, and and when we can, Ron. Uh, it's uh, it's called Happy Hour from the Tower, and it's our it's our it's our Destiny uh, themed podcast. And then Nick has got his first podcast short story just about to come out, and he had Scribe do the voiceover for it. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So we're very excited about it. But I, I love taking credit for that because uh, he had no idea what a pod- – neither he nor Station knew what a podcast was, and now they're both podcasting, and it's always a delight mm-hmm. oh, to, to, to get on get on mic with him. So he's, he's, good, he's good value. Oh, he He's good is. value. Um, that actually pulls right into – wasn't the first question I was going to ask, but you know what? Aaron's not here to be grill mistress, so I'm going to <laughs> – uh, put things in a bit of a different order because usually we will ask our one question of the year to get to start off conversations. Okay. All right. So, so rather than ask our one question to start off with, just because the conversation you uh, you brought up, we wanted to ask, what do you find are differences between working collaboratively with someone on a writing project and working by yourself? Well, when you're when you're collaborating with someone, uh, you you have a, a constant sounding board. That you can bounce ideas off of, and the other thing to remember is when you're when you're writing alongside someone. In my case, my wife Pitt Ballantyne. Um, the 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 thing I have to remember is that I can make decisions about the book and about the direction of the book and about the direction of the story and all that, but I have to check with her first to see if it's okay. Uh, if if it's not okay, then I might have some issues, and um, only. Only once or twice have I ever really like uh, slammed on the brakes and said, "Hang on a second, this is not going in the right direction. And here's why," and 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 that's that's the uh, that, that's that's the the plus and the minus of being you know we could be doing all this work and then uh, Pip says, "Well, I don't like that direction." After we've done all this work, we need to change it. And like right now, um, we're working on Operation Endgame. And there's all this stuff that Pip has written while I was uh, dealing with some some family issues. Now that I'm coming back into Operation Endgame, I'm suddenly discovering, well, this isn't really a, uh, the direction that I am comfortable with. So any major changes, I have to say, okay, let's do it this way, and here's why. And if she doesn't like that idea, then we have to scrap it and start over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we've because of the the, the personal issues in, in, in 2017. Um, we've had to keep pushing back Operation Endgame, and I really don't want to push it back till 2018. I really don't want to. I don't want to pull a George R. R. Martin. I, I yeah. want to be able to say, "All right, I've delayed this enough. Let's." It, and it's on me. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the one that's saying this is on me. Uh, everyone has been cool about it, though. But uh, but once Operation Endgame is is done, I'm going to be turning to some of my solo work. Mm-hmm. And the thing about solo work is. I still have a sounding board with Pip. I can go, hey, what do you think of this idea? But the thing is, I can go on ahead and I can completely ignore that idea, ignore the feedback, and just you know, just go in my own direction. The problem is that when you write, when you write on your own, when you write, you know, with with, with just your voice, I really feel like you sometimes write in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And you hear people say that, you know, you write in a bubble. You don't necessarily want to write by committee. That's yeah. ridiculous. But having a sounding board, I think, is essential, and I think that's that's something I, that I, that I love about working with someone and working with other people, um, whether it's a co-editing uh, project like Tales of a Tesla Ranger, whether it's uh, whether it's something like um, like the uh, the the, um, the the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences books, where I'm working with my wife, uh, collaborating with the writers in the Tales in the Archives. I mean, I've I've had a lot of fun with that collaboration. 
but I also want to be able to stand on my own. Yeah. So, so that's, that's why, that's why I, I have a, a very small group of people that I go, Hey, I have an idea. What do you think of this? Mm-hmm. And that's, and working, working solo, um, it has its pluses and minuses as well, but it, it's something that, that, that I, I want to get back to. Mm-hmm. So, in those kinds of situations where you are working collaboratively and you have a disagreement, how do you go about resolving that without, you know, end up alienating your co-author or, you know, just causing complete issues? Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a real tough one. And I hate to say it, but Pip and I have been at that point. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really reached ahead during Curse of the Silver Pharaoh. Yeah. Uh, Pip, had, uh, Pip had written the bulk of it. And... She wanted me to just I – th- I think her exact words were zhuzh it up. <laughs> and I started working with it, and the deeper I got into it, the, the more I said um, – I, I, and, I, and I, was, I was painfully blunt with her. I said, I, I'm just going to tell it to you like it is. This is a mess. And she got really upset with me, and, and I said, there's no other words for me. I can't tell you, oh, it, it needs a little work or it's got promise. No, this is a mess, and here's why. And I laid it out for her. And she got, she. It was it was it was the most uncomfortable night in my own bed. I will <laughs> never forget it. And 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 what was worse was the next morning she was looking at me and she was like, I "Thought about what you said." <laughs> and you're right. And, <laughs> Did her voice get that deep? <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. Oh gosh. Yes, it does. It's terrifying. It's effing terrifying. I live every night in fear. No. Okay. <laughs> Um, I, I live every night in fear when she's like that. Oh, um, okay. I I, and it. and the the thing is, and I, and I was and and I don't mind saying it. We have other friends who write more and they write faster than us. Mm-hmm. And that's what and Pip told me that we because that was the other and that's the beautiful thing about the collaboration between me and Pip. It's got nothing to do with us being married. Mm-hmm. It's got everything to do with us being the being best friends and and understanding one another and wanting the best for each other. And on top of that, being each other's biggest fans. Mm -hmm. Um, Before I fell in love with Pip Ballantyne, I was Pip Ballantyne's biggest fan. I was, and I'm not saying that just a brown noser because of what I, the story I just told you. (laughs) Her first, I was, I was lucky enough. I remember um, I was coming back from, uh, from, from this big launch event that Dragon Moon Press had. And uh, Gwen Gates, the publisher there, said, "Feel free to take any of these books home with you. You know, it's oh, wow. it's my gift because you made this happen." And I said, "I just want one book," and it was Chasing the Bard. Mm-hmm. And and I because I was looking at all the different books that were launching, but Chasing the Bard really stuck with me because it was Shakespeare, and it was it was Puck, and it had that 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 Neil Gaiman Midsummer Night's Dream kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. So I said, "I want I want this book." And I could not get enough of chasing the bard, and so and and I and, and that's when Pip and I really started to get to know each other a little better uh, was through chasing the bard, and and that's the kind of that writing, you know, the level of writing with Spectre and Geist and the books of the Order, and that's that's what I that's what I I expect from Pip, and she was trying to write with the same kind of frenetic pace that you see Starla Hutchton write and the way uh, the way um, uh, uh, Nate uh, that Nate writes I'm blanking on Nate's last name right now man I must I must be tired Um, Nathan Lowell oh Nathan Lowell I was gonna say Nate I know Nathan Lowell yeah Nate (laughs) yeah oh yeah Nathan Lowell scary 
Anyway, so yeah. Um, and I said, we're not those writers. Mm-hmm. And I said that we're not those writers. And you know what? If we have to wait, if we take a little longer, I'd rather have it take a little longer and be right mm-hmm. than rush through it and have people go, what's this? Yeah. So after I'd outlined all this stuff, we then took it to the next level. And and that's that's where I think um, that so long as that happens, so long as something good happens mm-hmm. out of that disagreement, like um, there was a character that I've just introduced uh, in, in the in the 11th hour. I've just introduced this character in Operation Endgame. That's uh, we talk risky. about <laughs> yes, um, and sh- it was one of those moments that I had that I never w- never thought I ever would have as an author, where a character said, "No, I'm going to be in the book, and here it is." But Pip is challenging me on it. Mm-hmm. She's going, "What's the agency of this character? What is she bringing to this? What is she going to do?" And um, I know that the moment I say, "Well, well, she's in there because she's cool," that's not going to fly. No. And um, and Pip Pip is Pip is like uh, she's like Red Sonia with her editing pen. So I I I want to make sure that whatever Pip and I are creating together, it's the best work that we can do together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh I've been working semi in tandem with uh, John Walker in the Stafford verse. Um, so I've been doing some slight collaboration, but it's nowhere near as intense as that. And and I know that is a humongous challenge. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm curious cause I know that you mentioned before that you, uh, are the, the geek Wolfpack podcast. And I know that the uh, ADHD D and D gets, gets played on that podcast. Mm-hmm. And I know you're a big gamer, obviously playing, playing destiny and you are a trained actor. Yes. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. How do you find that that role playing gaming acting background plays into your writing? It's all about the dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's all about the dialogue. I, I will I will talk out my um, my dialogue and I will listen to it and if it doesn't sound right if it sounds if it sounds stilted or if it sound and I think that's the advantage that I have being having that theater training mm-hmm. is I I know the sound and the rhythm and the cadence of how people talk mm-hmm. and if it sounds ridiculous or if it sounds stilted or if it sounds if it sounds contrived I can pick up on that now it, there may be scenes where it, may need to be tight or it may need to be contrived or trite. And if that's the case, then, then, then all bets are off. But, um, but as far as, as far as the actor in me, I think, uh, the actor in me, um, has a, has a good feel for, uh, for, for action sequences, the, the pace of an action sequence, uh, for the pacing of, of, of a romance, for the pacing of, 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 of any scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you, if you really want a, a great example, though, of of how how acting really affects my my storytelling, um, I, I I go back to uh, as a, when I was an actor and I was in I was in a, a play called Equus, mm-hmm. and Equus is one of those plays that is a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of talking, but you are hanging on every word because every word counts. And I remember that was a, that was a lesson I took from in when I was when I was working with Shakespeare a lot when uh, as an actor when I worked with Shakespeare I remember um, uh, my my mentor said make a meal of your words make a meal of your words and I understood what he meant by that it wasn't it wasn't uh, take your time with it and it wasn't eat it in you know get them out in a hurry because mm-hmm. you know there's a lot more to eat later on it was enjoy it mm-hmm. savor these words. 
Um, it's not, uh, you know, I think, I think a good example is, um, uh, the, the, the opening, the opening of Gloucester's speech, now is the winter of our discontent, may glorious summer by the son of York. Well, okay. Um, you know, if I, if I wanted to, if I wanted to take my time with it, it would sound like this. Now is the winter of our discontent, made glorious summer by the son of York. And of course, now you're asleep. <laughs> and, but I, but I don't want to just go. Now is the winter of our discontent, made glorious summer by the son of York. And that's uh, you're like, what did he say? Mm-hmm. Now, Benedict Cumberbatch knocks it out of the effing park because. This is the way you deliver the line. This is what you mean by making a meal of the words. Now is the winter of our discontent, made glorious summer by this son of York. And there, you in that one sentence, you get it all. You're like, okay, we're in the present time. Um, it's you know there there's something big happening, mm-hmm. and it's all about this guy. That Richard the Third cannot stand, and uh, man, oh, God, that. Uh, so, that, real quick tangent. There's this uh, series that's being put on called um, The Hollow Crown, mm-hmm. and it's done in one season. It's it, the seasons are three different plays of William Shakespeare. I own the first the first season. The second season of of um, The Hollow Crown has uh, has Benedict Cumberbatch playing Richard the Third, mm-hmm. and and it's amazing. It is not as I will say this: it is not as good as Ian McKellen's Richard the Third, but it's awfully damn close. I'll leave it at that. But that—that's what theater—that's mm-hmm. what the theater brings bring, brings to it. It brings to brings to my storytelling. Um, the dialogue, the pacing, and um, and how to how to make every word count. Mm-hmm. Do you find it uh, – I don't know necessarily if you were more a method actor or a character actor, but do you find it easier to get inside your character's heads with that acting background? No. Uh, I don't look at it that way. Uh, um, in fact, I, I, I kind of turn my nose up in method actors. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was not, I was not part of that school, uh, and I never bought into that, that whole thing. You have to feel everything. Look, I do not have to get freaky with horses to get into this character, okay? That's... I was wondering if you'd played the horse or – No, 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 no. <laughs> But I knew all of the horses, and I had a crush on one of the horses, I remember. <laughs> My God, she was a beautiful woman. But anyway, um, uh, but, but as, far as, as far as getting into the headspace of the characters, um, I, I, I really feel like I, I've never had a problem making a connection even with the, 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 the motivations of the characters that, that, that we're playing with. And again, it goes back to that, that character that just popped up and said, hey, I'm going to be in your story now. Um, so long as the character brings something to the table, uh, I tend, I mean, I know there are some, there are some writers and there are some, uh, when I say writers, I don't just mean, uh, uh, novel writers. I'm talking about film, uh, film writers, playwrights, where they have characters that just show up, they do shtick and they leave. Mm-hmm. And, um, they're going, well, that's, that's the way people are. And I'm like, no, they're not. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, there are people that there, there are complete strangers that come in and out of your life. Sure. But, the people that the the reason why we we read books we read plays we we watch films and and, and television is because we want to make a connection with all of these characters because they all play a part in the story that you tell mm-hmm. and if you bring in these extemporaneous characters and then they just disappear um, I mean yeah that 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 has never computed with me 
And I, I mean, I guess a good example would be Tom Bombadil. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, he's this character that shows up in the middle of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. He he's able to put the ring on, and it does nothing to him. That's the last we see of him. Mm-hmm. He's in one scene, and he is gone. And I'm like, um, hang on a minute. Isn't anybody going to go and talk about the guy who can apparently put on the one ring and go, man, this is bling. I mean, come on. Come on. Uh-huh. I don't get that. Yes. And And so, so yeah, um, I think it's important that when you bring in characters that, that they, they, they play an essential part. In, uh, in 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 the characters, and also when you're playing, at least with with us in the ministry, when you're playing with characters that are um, that are either known characters or famous characters, you have that extra that extra responsibility of making them less larger than life and making them human. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, case in point, we, you know, our our uh, the director of the director of the, of the ministry is uh, is H. G. Wells, and there were some people that were really pissed off when they found that out. Um, but what the, the, what I tell people is if you go back and you read book one and you go all the way through, this wasn't something we just pulled out of our butts. Mm-hmm. This is something we have been seeding over three books and then we play the handout in book four. Mm-hmm. And then we had, and then we had to have, and this is, this I think is also very important in character development. If you do something like that, when you, when you have that, that, that aha moment, you got to have a direction to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't, you wind up with the, with, with what happened with the, the TV show Moonlighting. They finally got the two characters together. Then they didn't know what to do with them after they got the characters together. Mm-hmm. Well, we had a, we had a plan for, for books and brawn when they were going to hook up, when they were going to profess their undying love, how they were going to cope with it. And now we get to book six and it's going to be, this is, this is how we, we put it all on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's been a, it, it's been a, it's been a really, really amazing ride, and uh, and I feel very lucky that these are characters that that I even even the darker characters I feel like I can connect with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I'm a. Uh, I think I've read through. Is it the Diamond Conspiracy? Okay, good. Then I didn't spoil anything for and by, you. <laughs> no, by, and, by, and by read I mean listen to the audio versions of because right. that's how I consume most of my books. So um, I don't say I need to go back and re-listen because it's been about a year. Um, Operation Endgame is book six, seven, mm-hmm. six, number six. We yeah. we we knew we knew going into it. We we wanted to tell tell the tell the story in uh, of books and brawn in six mm-hmm. six stories. But then you've also got um, you said the the, the Silver Pharaoh, the Curse, the Curse of the Silver Pharaoh, Pharaoh that which, which is, is a, a tangential because it's yes. the, yeah, it's actually a prequel, and it's centered around the Ministry Seven. Right, right. Um, so you, you so you mentioned that you you've been seeding the uh, spoiler alert H.G. Wells since book one. So how deeply did you outline all six of these books, potentially seven with Silver Pharaoh, when you before you even started writing book one? Well, yeah, see now the the, the Silver Pharaoh uh, and what is coming out in 2018, Curse of the Blue Flame, uh, Mystery, Mystery of the Emerald Flame, excuse me, Mystery of the Emerald Flame. That was the spinoff that uh, Pip said, I've decided I want to do a spinoff of the, uh, of, of the ministry, and I want to do it as a prequel, and I want it to be at the Ministry 7. Mm-hmm. That happened in the middle of Book 5. And I was oh, like, wow. oh, okay. So, and it, it, was, it, was a, it was just a, an idea that popped into, into Pip's head, and she wanted to run with it. As far as how far we wanted uh, – we knew when we were outlining Book 1, we knew that we, uh, we wanted to tell a story uh, that, that spanned at least – at least four books, 
at the most six. Mm-hmm. And when we got to, to the Diamond Conspiracy, uh, Ace had said, you're done. But as we were progressing along, we were like, we have a lot more story to tell than just four books. So we said, do we want to go on on our own or do we want to we want to just end it with Ace? And, the, and we said we want to keep going. Mm-hmm. So what we knew starting off was we knew that we wanted to at some point in the series reveal who Dr. Sound was. Mm-hmm. We wanted to reveal what the restricted area was. We wanted to reveal um, who the maestro was, obviously. Okay. And then we wanted to um, and that was about it. And about and around. It was around book three. Um, we were we were starting to uh, go even further. We were like, okay, so at book three, we know that we're gonna we've already we've already tipped our hand on a lot of things. In particular, about the identity of the maestro. We've 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 tipped our hand on the uh, on 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 um, on on who is the real who is the real the real control who is the real power behind the uh, behind the maestro and. And that we were like, okay, well, we're going to take that that nugget, Doctor Henry Jekyll, and we're going to play him in with the last with the last part. Mm-hmm. So we we resolved we resolved the maestro in book four, but then five and six belonged to Jekyll. And it was at the very end at, at, at book uh, at, at book four we said, well, okay, um, so how do we how do we how do we keep this going with Jekyll? And I said, how about this? And I doubled down and, and wrote the ending, and Pip was like, "Yep, that that'll do it." And <laughs> and then we and then we moved and now we've moved on to book five, and now and now book six. Um, we we have been we've tried plotting, we've mm-hmm. tried plotting, and instead we pants. We're massive pantsers, and we're proud of being pantsers. And there are some we met some people that man, they you know, plotting versus pantsing. You would it's like Democrats versus Republicans. I mean, it's it's vicious. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look, there is no right way. No. If you want to plot it out, you plot it out. We've tried it. And every time we've tried to plot out a books, our characters going, what the F are you doing? We need to go in this direction. So what we do now is we just say we need to hit these points along the way. And if we don't, then we got to figure out how to resolve them or just get them out, just get them out completely. Mm-hmm. Um so far, uh, the, the the if I were to describe the the evolution of the the the, the overarching plot line of, of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, I would say it's very organic, mm-hmm. and and I think it, it it's organic, but it doesn't feel like it's out of control. Um, I feel like um, uh, unlike some New York Times best-selling authors who uh, have been accused of losing control of their world. Our world is very much, yeah, our world is very much under control and we know where we're going with it. And we also know where we're going to end it. And it's not going to take us that long to write the final book. That was actually going to be my next question. So you beat me to it. I was just, just wondering, just wondering if you ever felt like it was growing out of control because I have actually had projects do that when I, when I was still primarily a pantser, I have since become a planter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I think there's a little bit of hybrid in everybody. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, but my, uh, yeah, I, I don't feel like, anytime I feel like it's been going out of control, I stop writing and I sit down with Pip and I go, how do we fix this? Because think about it. If we do this, it goes here, 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 and here. And Pip's like, oh, you're right. So we, so we, so we start, we start pruning. Mm-hmm. We start pruning. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that is one situation where it is definitely good to have a sounding board which I'm very glad that I have my best friend who knows like every project I work on too. 
Too bad she's married. Uh, anyway, <laughs> no, 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 that's a, that's a good thing. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, so I do still want to get through asking our one question. So we'll end with it instead of starting with it. Okay. Um, how do you cope with those times when you don't feel creative, but due to deadlines or goals, you have to be creative? Oh man, that's that is that is a question of the ages because that sometimes that happens and it's been happening a lot lately because a bit because of the way 2017 has been playing out for me. Um, and what I tend to do, uh, if, if I would say a lot of times I I tend to um, I tend to be um. It, it, it means that I'm working too hard and I need to decompress. That could mean uh, going on ahead and hopping on, hopping on to the PS4 and playing Destiny or a different game. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, it could mean that I need to uh, just, re- I mean, I wish I could say, uh, you know, relax and read a good book. But the problem is, is that I feel guilty when I read books because mm-hmm. if I'm reading books, then I'm not writing, and yeah, <laughs> and I, I've got I've got I've got my own words to get out, and and it also drives me. That drives me to some extent because then I go, well, then okay, I I um I I want to be I want to be at this point, mm-hmm. I want to be at the printed word. So so sometimes that helps. Um, for me, the another thing that that I that I also tend to do to to sort of dislodge it and is is I find something I find a different project to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I haven't mentioned is that uh, I've already got a book out right now. Uh, it's the third edition of Podcasting for Dummies. <gasps> ding. And ding. And uh, and that's that's it's still got the new ink on it. I mean, it's got that fresh off the press smell. It's it's great. And and I'm I'm thrilled about it. I'm I'm thrilled about it, but I I remember when I wanted to get back into Endgame, but I didn't feel the drive to get into it. I would go to Podcasting for Dummies. And I would I would go on ahead and I would work on podcasting for dummies for a while, mm-hmm. and working on the nonfiction got at least the the fingers going and it got me it got me churning out ideas and then I could then get back into Endgame a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So so that's 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 one remedy that I tend to do. Um, now if you're if you're if your uh, listeners are not under contract, that's okay. You got these things called blogs. Blog about a passion. Blog about something that you want to do. Uh, it's the one aspect of social media that I feel like I, I fall the farthest from where I want to be. Um, I hate it that my blog only gets updated if I'm lucky once or twice a month. Um, at one time, I was actually blogging twice a week, and I loved it, and I was getting about. And then I started getting into writing novels and doing podcasting for dummies, and the first thing it takes a hit is my blog. Um, doesn't mean I forget about it, you know. I I try to throw something on there just to just to keep it relevant, but it's it's hard. It's really hard. But but that if I blog about a passion, if I blog about something, then I I I'm yeah that 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 gets the juices going, and then I can I can attack I can attack it. Um, and recently, uh, one one of the recent discoveries I've made, which has been really delightful, uh, and I give props to Piper J Drake. Um, Peach, Peach introduced me. To Dragon Anywhere, um, this is this is dictation software. It's oh, it's basically yeah, yeah. it's basically Dragon. Uh, uh, it, it's the Dragon software that, that that you hear hear people talk about. Mm-hmm. But this is Dragon Anywhere, and it's optimized and built for uh, iPads and iPhones. Wow. Now I have a commute for my day job. I have a commute that can take anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. I'm stuck in traffic for an hour to an hour and a half, and that was killing 
me creatively, and it was driving me bananas. So for the past three days, I have been taking my iPhone, popping it up where it normally sits, and instead of listening to podcasts, I hit I hit uh, listen. I, I tell Dragon anywhere listen, and I start dictating scenes. Mm-hmm. I have been averaging um, 1,500 words per trip. Wow. So I'm heading in, I'm sitting in traffic. I can nail out 1,500 words, and if I do it going back, that's another 1,500 words. And I'm like, I should have been doing this in the spring, not yeah. now. But, I, but the point is, I'm doing it now. And when I come home with 1,500 words that need, that, that need a serious polish, I'm like, that, that, just, that gets everything fired up. Because to me, that's the bulk. Mm-hmm. The bulk of it is just getting the words down, mm-hmm. and that because I've, I've never been one of those people. I'm I'm one of those writers that edits while he while he writes. Mm-hmm. Well, with Dragon Anywhere, because I'm just dictating it off the, the the scene, the dialogue, everything. This is my rough draft. Yeah, and it's already done, so I can I can just polish it up, and I'm like, holy cow! I just did a chapter in two days. Mm-hmm. Usually, usually it's been it's been a lot longer and a lot more laborious. Now I'm like that. So yeah, the and the Dragon Anywhere. I believe for an entire year, uh, for 150 bucks a year. Remember, that's a tax deduction. Uh, but um, <laughs> but you you basically have the ability to sync up your um, your Dragon Anywhere files automatically to Dropbox, automatically to Evernote. Uh, there are a lot of these nice features that it offers, and I I can't say a bad thing about it. I should have been doing this months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another way to get the, the creative juices flowing. Another nice way. Um, dude, just out of curiosity, because I'm an Android user, is it only iPhone, iPad, or is it do no, they have an Android? Version? I believe, hang on a minute. I will look that up for you because, right uh, now while we're recording, because <laughs> this is the magic of podcasting, right? Yeah. Oh, I got to remember All Blacks podcast. I have to subscribe to that. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, let's see, it's Dragon Anywhere. Yep, there it is, and. It's it's by Nuance, so it's nuance.com dragon, slash dragon. And uh, let's see, get documents done anywhere. Dragon, available on iOS and Android. Heck yeah. Cause, so uh, there you go. Because my commute's about 45 minutes one way. <laughs> yeah, and see, for 12, for 12 months, yeah. for 150 bucks, 12 months, you're billed once a year. And, uh, and you know, what you get with that, it's it, – it, and it's really – I have not learned any of the commands. I'm just guessing at some of the commands. Mm-hmm. So like the first the first few – the first paragraph that I wrote on Dragon Ember was, was quote – it was spelled out, quote, um, what did he say, period, quote. And I was like, okay, that didn't work. And I just said, okay, that didn't work. And then I, <laughs> and then I, and then I stopped and I said and – I, and, I, and I glanced at my phone and I went, New paragraph. Boom. Gave me a new paragraph. And I said, begin quote. I got the two quotes. Mm-hmm. And then I started reading. And, and, and the minute, and what happened was, is if I, if I pause and say period, it actually spells out the word period. Mm-hmm. If I go, go this way, period, it drops in the period. Mm-hmm. End quote. I get the two, I get the two end quotes. New line. It only goes down one line. Um, I can also say, in italics, and then it will put everything in italics. I don't know how to get the italics off, but I mean, at least I can get the italics on. Sans italics. But, but sans italics, yes. <laughs> um, uh, there, are, there are some really neat features, and because 
uh, because Nuance is apparently a British company, I can tell it to use a UK dictionary instead of an American dictionary if I'm doing steampunk. So you get the the color with the U in it. The color with a U and and, and, and all the wrong spellings. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, excuse me. The proper spellings. <laughs> the Queen's English. We didn't bastardize it, you Yankish pricks. But anyway, uh... dude, I'm German. What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Austrian. There's a difference. <laughs> I'm not the. I'm not the Frenchie. I'm a Belgie. I'm sorry. Uh, we're on we're on a tangent again. Um, so anyway, <laughs> There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So Dragon Anywhere. Uh, go ahead and take a look at it. You mm -hmm. just now, like I said, it's it's nuance. That's n u a n c e dot com forward slash dragon, and you can read about all the different things you can do with it. Uh, it's easily customizable. Um, yeah, I've been, I mean, like I said, I've only been working with the software for three days, but it has been an absolute game changer. Yeah, absolutely. Note this podcast not uh, supported by Dragon Anywhere. Got it. <laughs> not uh, sponsored. That'd be amazing. If you're looking for sponsorships. Yo, Melting Podcast, guys. There you go. Uh, there you go. <laughs> um, so I want to just bring this to a close, keep you uh, – let you have you know the rest of your night to yourself. Is there any, uh, any other projects you've got coming up, appearances coming up that uh, listeners should know about? Actually, yes. Day of my birthday, October 28th, I'm going to be in Phoenix, Arizona with Chuck Tomasi, and we are doing a – Book launch as well as uh, afternoon workshop called the PIY Workshop. Uh, podcast it yourself. Uh, the, the the slogan basically says, got a passion? Podcast it. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be learning from me. You're going to be learning from Chuck. You're going to be learning from some – well, for the lack of a better word, the legends of podcasting. Michael Armenige is going to be there. Uh, Kevin O'Connor, also known as TD0013, he's going to be there. The Iron Man of podcasting, Jack Mangan, he's going to be there. Uh, there are a lot of fantastic people. Some of them are still podcasting. Some of them are not. Some of them are thinking about getting back into it. Ooh. And all, all of them are bringing to the table their experience with this. Um, uh, a great uh, – uh, another another Nick Kelly connection, a great, great friend of the podcast, uh, Joe Hogan. For, uh, he's coming in all the way from California mm -hmm. to, to talk and, and to teach. And so is Adam Christensen who is the host of the MacCast, and he is one of the original podcasters. He's been podcasting since 2005. Wow. He's still podcasting the MacCast. He introduces it the exact same way now that he did back in 2005. He's a good guy. I haven't seen him in years, so it, this is going to be a great time. It's going to be a great nice. time. Uh, where can we find information on PIY? Uh, go to podcastingfordummies.com and look up uh, PIY 2017. It's one of the links. You click on that, boom. And while you're there, you can also subscribe to the companion podcast that is hosted by Chuck and myself. Uh, we're doing we're doing episodes that are that were hard to do in print. For example, uh, the first episode first episode was just podcasting in the raw. Mm -hmm. You know, no production, no special effects, no, just podcasting in the raw. Second episode I did, and it was podcasting somewhere on location. So I was using my iPad to podcast with. Right. And then uh, the next show that's about to drop, episode three, uh, that's going to be in Chuck's studio. So it's going to be all the bells and whistles. Mm -hmm. And and then we do like uh, like product product reviews and things like that. And we actually record with the with it so that you can hear the difference between oh, nice. say uh, say a, a Heil PR. What am I working on here? Uh, PR781, yeah. This is the Heil PR781, and then over here I've got a Shure SM7B, and then over here I got a um, I got a, a Marshall uh, BCX1, 
And when you hear them all together, that's when you can say, oh, okay, I think my voice would sound better in this one than this one than this one. And and that's that's what the podcasting for dummies podcast does. It also keeps things relevant, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's what we're working on right now. And of course, we got we got plans for Operation Endgame coming out in December. Yeah, and uh, that's that's our plan. And uh, for anyone who's in the Maryland area around uh, October twenty first, before I leave for uh, for Phoenix, Arizona, my wife and I are going to be at the Maryland Renaissance Festival on the Day of Wrong. We're going to be punked out and surrounded by people. We're going to be all punked up and in the middle of a Renaissance festival selling our books. So it should nice. be a lot of fun. Be a lot of fun. I, I, I have seen Klingons at a Renaissance festival. Steampunk is nothing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sounds about right. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so thank you so much for being on here, T. We Real pleasure. look forward to having you on again sometime. Absolutely. Um, where can we just find you? Just me, uh, T. Morris, that's T-E-E-M-O-R-R-I-S dot com, happyhourfromthetower.com, that's the Destiny podcast. I uh, already mentioned podcastingfordummies.com, and of course, ministrypeculiaroccurrences.com. Uh, as soon as we get things uh, in, into a more final position for uh, Operation Endgame, the fifth and final season of Tales from the Archives will be starting up again. Uh, we just have to, the, the plan is to get the book done first. Then we start Mm -hmm. dealing with the podcast and is that it? That covers it from, from tmorris.com. You can find, uh, you can find me, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm now sticking my toe into the, into the wild waters of Twitch. Um, yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a that's a whole that's a whole different it's, kettle of fish for me. But yeah. uh, if you want to look me up on Twitch, it's the Team Monster on Twitch. I call myself the Reluctant Gamer because as much as I love Destiny and I love playing video games, I have to write. And whenever I game, I don't write. And uh, yeah, that's how that's how that's how it usually works. Yep. All right. Well, appreciate it. Okay, my life is feeling thoroughly spiced up right now. Good. T has that effect on people. He really does, he's especially like a, when it comes to beer. Well, he's like a, a drink with jam and bread. Ha! No. <laughs> he, he's like a really good beer. Mm-hmm. I, I, I swear, it's like he knew me as beer girl. Yeah. For how long? He's hoppy. Is that what you're saying he's like a beer? He's hoppy? He's hoppy to see you. Um, not all people like a lot of hops. IPAs taste like pine cones soaked in cough syrup. Agreed. I am not knocking those of you who enjoy them. You are welcome to enjoy them. And you are entitled to your wrong opinion. But <laughs> hey, we don't drink them so more for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, so but that, no, that's what tea, so that's what tea, tea is like. awesome. Yeah. Just awesome. Mm-hmm. And awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome sauce. And we had a little seasoning for our awesome sauce. But our sauce is going on some kind of meat, and I can't figure out what it is. It's like it's a... Well, I'm not going to tell. A mystery. Mystery meat. Or a mystery meal. No, we know what the sauce is. The sauce is Timoris. But if we don't know what the meat is, altogether you put it together and you get a mystery meal. I don't follow. We're going to do a mystery meal segment, okay? Oh, we're going to do... Okay, we're going to do a mystery meal, you guys. Here we go. You are no longer executive chef. Shut up. Mystery meal. Here we go. Podcast crew, assemble! I'm like two feet away from you. Girl mistress here! Sorry, my entrance is a little late. 
and his just didn't even exist. And 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 I have a one of our junior chefs crawling all over me at the moment. So who has just spoken? Um, <laughs> this is a mystery meal, and we do have a guest in the form of Loki, almost sixteen month old. Yeah. So I, there's no way to edit him out. Sorry. Yeah. So just just deal with it. Hopefully. He'll laugh at all the right places. But the way mystery meals work, Aaron, you want to explain it? It's like a Mad Lib where we take scenes from classic literature and remove certain words and have our viewers replace them. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, destroyed in part by you guys. So thanks. And Theo will be reading our mystery meal today. And yes. what's our scene? Theo. The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. This is the scene. This is the very end when he destroys the portrait. The oh, end. Man. Hi, Lachlan. You have some input? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Tell us later. <laughs> Theo, if you would. I will. Was he never to get rid of the robot? <laughs> this is a different story than I remember. Was he really to confess? Gesundheit! <laughs> there was only one bit of evidence left against him. The picture itself. That was evidence. He would alienate it. <laughs> yeah? Why had he kept it for so long? It had given him apathy once to watch it hanging. And, oh, watch it changing and growing old. Of late, he had felt no such pleasure. He had kept him awake at lunchtime. <laughs> He's a night owl. <laughs> when he had been away, he had been filled with terror, lest other butts should look upon it. <laughs> You're a butt. <laughs> butt face. <laughs> it had brought melancholy across his passions. Its mere memory had flapped many moments of joy. <laughs> it had been like conscience to him. Yes. It had been conscience. He would destroy it. He looked round and saw the swanky wallet that had stabbed A.F. Grappen. (laughs) We just finished this like two days ago and I already forgot that I was in it. (laughs) He had cleaned it many times till there was no stain left upon it. It was unkempt and glistened. As it had killed the painter, so it would kill the painter's work, and all that meant it would tickle the past. <laughs> and when that was dead, he would be free. He seized it and sneezed the canvas with it, ripping the thing right up from top to bottom. <laughs> That's one that was a sneeze. ripping sneeze. There was a cry heard, and a crash. The cry was so happy in its agony (laughs) that it was a masochist. Um, The cry was so happy in its agony that the frightened servants woke and squeed out of their rooms. (laughs) Squeed! 9.99 gentlemen who were passing in the square below stopped and looked up at the lemon-scented house. The servants kept it very clean. Pledge. They walked on till they met a fry cook and brought him back. Like fry, like fry. The man rang the bell several times, 
But there was no answer. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. To be continued. Immediately. <laughs> the house was all fancy. Except for a light in one of the top windows. After a time, he went away and stood in the portico of the next house and watched. Whose house is that, constable? asked the elder of the two gentlemen. Mr. Dorian Bluish's server. Bluish. <laughs> answered the policeman. <laughs> they looked at each other as they walked away and sneered. <laughs> One of them was Sir Henry Ashton's brother from another mother inside. <laughs> In the servant's part of the house, the half-clad domestics were talking in legendary whispers to each other. (laughs) (gasps) Old Mrs. Leaf was crying and exsanguinating her hands. Dang. (laughs) Francis was pale as death. Francis? (laughs) Oh, Francis. After about a fortnight, (laughs) he got the coachman and one of the footmen and crept upstairs. (laughs) They affected, but there was no reply. They called out. Everything was still. Finally, after vainly trying to force the Encyclopedia Britannica, they got on the roof and resigned down onto the balcony. So, wait, they, they were resigned down? At least, at least they didn't squee out of their rooms like the <laughs> The windows yielded easily. The bolts were sexy. When they entered, they found hanging upon the wall a frustrated portrait of their master as they had last seen him. Two weeks ago. A fortnight ago. In all the wonder and exquisite youth and beauty, lying on the floor was a dead man in evening suspenders with a knife in his medulla oblongata. Ow. He was plaid, inanimate, and loathsome of visage. He went plaid! (laughs) It was not till they had examined the rings that they recognized who it was. Dorian Bluish. Dorian Bluish. Aw, Mockwin's a morning him. The end. (laughs) The end. You are not a newscaster. Oh, back to you, Aaron. I thank you. Good. Back to me because you apparently don't know what you are anymore. I have adjusted my position so my back is to Aaron. Um, I don't think they can hear you properly if you're not facing the mic, so you might want to turn back around there. Thank now you. I'm blocking Aaron. I can still speak loudly and clearly enough that you cannot block me. This is fun. It's the thing I learned in theater is projecting my voice. Projectiles? T. Morris would know all about that. Shut up. Ask him. No. So there. Now what? I'm depressed now. I want this to be over. Well, you know, we have had a bit of a long episode. Yeah. This... We had our story. Yeah. And we had our promos. And yeah. we had our seasoning. And we had our mystery meal. I still don't know what that was. <laughs> and, uh... Now all that's left is to tell them what they can do for us. Yeah, like this really was a, a good long episode. It's been a while since we've had one that's that's been this length without being, you know, a panel. So speaking of what they can do for us, other than... Send us stuff. Oh, wait, too soon. Sorry. Yeah, that's a little too soon because first things first, they could, you know, go to iTunes where they probably got this podcast anyway. Yeah. 
or you know your favorite podcatcher and or Podbean and, and uh, anywhere anywhere you find us, and you could leave us stars and a review. All the stars. Yes, we like a lot of stars. Yes, it helps. They're shiny. Yes, and and they help other people to find us, which will in turn help us grow, get us more word chefs, lexiconosaurs, and allow us to put out more content for you. More diverse content. Yeah, absolutely. With more contributors. Yes. How many stars should they leave us? Seventy. Okay. Um, they could also go to, say, patreon.com slash afgrappin. And what can they do there? Well, they can become a patron. For as little as a dollar an episode, they can patronize us. <laughs> <laughs> Back to you. Exactly. And get swag and get access to exclusive content and all kinds of cool stuff. So the more you donate per episode, the more you get back. Mm-hmm. Including, say, your own... Um, disaster Kitchen title. Yeah, a, an honorific... disaster Disasterific. You know what? I'm going with it. A disasterific title. You would become an honorary member of the Disaster Kitchen on our website, listed as part of the crew. Um, You could get your choice. uh, You you could get to suggest scenes for us to do mystery meals. Mm -hmm. You could um, just there's all kinds of different stuff that you could get for one, three, five, ten, twenty five, fifty dollars an episode, whatever your wallet will allow. And that money goes right back to our fans. Um, we want to pay writers for their stories. We or want... voice actors for participating mm-hmm. and lending their voices. Or, you know, upgrade the recording studio so you get better quality. But also, backers of any level for even as little as $1 an episode get access to our once-a-year patron-only episode, which will be coming up within the next two months, obviously. And the last one was one written by our very own A.F. Grappen, and it's one of my favorite stories it's just one of my favorite stories. And I love it. You'll be able to go back and listen to that if you become a patron. Plus, this year's yes, episode... Yes, it is retroactive. Yes, it is retroactive. And this year's um, story is another one by me. Yay! This is the only. This is the only way... I hit my head. Ow. <laughs> it's fine. This is the only <laughs> way that you're getting main ingredient stories from me. Other than that, all I write for the show are Stoke the Fires. Ditto. Yeah. So, you, so who knows? In the future, you might get a main ingredient story from the Grill Mistress. Hey. So, you know, go back. Like I said, even a dollar an episode really does a lot to help just with hosting fees. And the last thing they can do is go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash the melting podcast. We have updated the stuff that you can get there. Because we have new art. We've got new artwork by that was made by Denise Lehman. That is phenomenal. And it's individual portraits of mm-hmm. each of the three of us on the crew. So you can get a mug with, say, the dish boy on it. And he's so cute. It's really adorable. I think I think I put on there. Uh, there's a picture of him on one side, and the other side says, "Is this mug clean?" <laughs> <laughs> um, or you know, you totally want an apron for all of your grilling events with the grill mistress on it. Hello. I haven't made that one, but I think I need to now. Yeah, you need to. Yeah, I need to actually make that that, that a possibility. So again, shop.spreadshirt.com slash the melting podcast. Again, proceeds go straight back into the podcast, which in turn go back to you. Now. We do want to go into something special we're doing with submissions right now. Mm -hmm. We have the Box of Doom. Yes. Which is full of geeky stuff, collectibles. Some of them are exclusive items. I mean, we've got everything from Kill Bill to Futurama to... No, the Futurama stuff's mine. I'm sorry. 
uh, Kill Bill to Jurassic Park to Punisher. Probably some Rick and Morty in there. I, I think Mr. Meeseeks is in there somewhere. I think that's yeah. Rick and I don't know. I don't follow Rick and Morty. But, I mean, we've got stuff from all different fandoms, all kinds of geekiness, from T-shirts to figurines to, like... Comic books. Comic books, pencils. I mean, all kinds of weird stuff. So, from now until the end of the year, or... Possibly beyond, depending on supplies. No, no. Now until the end of the year or until supplies run out, whichever comes first. Okay. So end of the year at the latest. Okay. Anyone who submits a story, it doesn't even have to be accepted. Anyone who submits a story, main ingredient or stoke the fire, automatically gets an item out of the box of doom. These are randomly chosen, except I do kind of tend to, if I pick something I don't think you'd like, I'll, I'll repick. Because I'm that's how I that's why yeah. I'm if if you're someone that we know, we'll try to mm-hmm. you know. If you're a size small, all the shirts are extra large because I got them to fit me, and I just don't like them. I'm probably not going to send you that shirt. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do try to you know at least guess at what you'd like, but but so yeah, submit a story. You automatically get something. It might not be a paying market, but you at least do get some um, compensation. Some you get some swag, and obviously, if you get accepted, you get to be on the podcast. So. Yep. Again, just go to uh, melting the melting podcast.com slash submissions for our submission guidelines. And we also and we have our prompts. Oh, our prompts. We have some of the best prompts out there. You I know? wholeheartedly I mean, agree. They've even inspired me to write a couple, and I've been in a writing dry spell for a couple of years now. So I'm tr- slowly trying to dig her out of it. That's all right. No more buns are going to be grown in my oven. So. <laughs> that that that'll, does help. That'll clear up some time. So our currently open prompts, which um, you can submit Stoke the Fire stories, 1,500 words or less. Seriously, less than 1,500 words and you get an item from the Box of Doom. I mean, how hard is that? And you can do these on one of two currently open prompts. Prompt number 13, where did the corn go? And the recently opened prompt number 14, a rash of people have just entered the emergency room. All of them exhibiting superpowers. I love that one. That one's going to be a lot of fun. We actually have already gotten a submission for it. And something to remember, we've had several word chefs actually break the rules and submit us main ingredient stories based on one or more prompts. Like the story we had earlier. It was prompts 12 and 13. Yeah. So if you feel so inclined and can't contain yourself to a stoke the fire or... Just a one prompt. Mm-hmm. Break the rules. Yeah. Send us stuff. Yeah. Um, we accept main ingredient stories up to 5,000 words. So, again, melting themeltingpodcast.com slash submissions and themeltingpodcast.com slash prompts. You can see our prompts that are open and even the ones that are closed. I mean, if you want to touch on more than one prompt, you can go into the closed ones. As long as it goes to at least one open one, it's fair game. You're eligible. Yep. So, sub, you know, submit stuff to us. Get swag, possibly get an audio, make us happy. It's a win-win situation. You make us happy, we're going to do everything we can Mm -hmm. to make you happy. But first you have to... Send us stuff. And we'll use it to feed the masses. Bye! Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at... TheMeltingPodcast.com You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you could email us. TheMeltingPodcast at gmail.com The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. 
which means you're free to copy it and share it, as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Richcreek. Send us stuff. <laughs>